good to be here. Glad that you guys could uh, all make it. And uh, Pastor Ben um, set me up for uh, success there, didn't he? No way that I can mess things up now. Or oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez, guys, you guys got to loosen up a little bit. All right, so um, I'm so glad that you guys decided to be here today. Uh, whether you're watching online or you're here, man, we are just, we're super excited that you made the bridge your church. The bridge is a better church because you're here. You guys believe that? Can I get an amen? We are a better church with you guys here. Um, we have such generous givers and such awesome people who are willing to volunteer and do things within the church and help folks. And uh, you guys are amazing. And we are so grateful that you're here, um, unless your name is maybe uh, Andrea Likens or Brittany Sylvie. Um, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, all right. That's enough out there, you two. So uh, today, like everyone has been talking about, is the day after uh, after Christmas. And I see a lot of smiling faces, but I also see some, like, shell-shocked faces. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like maybe somebody, you guys contracted maybe a little bit of PTSD from hanging out with family too much, or maybe you were up too late rapidly, you know, I don't know what you're doing, waiting on Santa Claus, whatever that might look like for you. Um, so I, I just want to say that you've done it. You did it. It's behind you, and that is, you don't have to worry about it now, all right? You don't have to worry about that anymore. So we'll just keep moving forward. And um, uh, so, you know, hey, so just turn to your neighbor real quick on your right and say, what's next? What's next? So we got through Christmas. What's next? Now look at the neighbor on your left and say, I think he's about to tell us. Tell him that. Tell him I think he's about to tell us real quick. Now look at me. Look back at me, everybody. Look back at me and say, what's next? All right. Very good. So let's jump in together. We're going to look at what's coming up next. We got 2022 right around the corner, and it's looking us uh, right in the eye, whether you want it to come or not, right? It's coming. And so we got to be ready for it, and we got to do the right things. Um, so we'll just jump right in. Has anyone, any, anyone in here ever heard of the term midlife crisis? Yeah, yeah. Most of us have heard of this term, right? It's a, it's a very common thing that um, they say mostly men go through, whatever. And, um, uh, you know, but the stereotypical midlife crisis might look like, uh, you know, buying a new Harley or... Uh, or, uh, or dyeing the hair jet black, you know, or, or maybe even the goatee jet black. Have you ever seen a guy walking around, he's got his goatee's just way too dark, and you know, you're like, that's not right. So <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You've been like, that's not normal. That's not a normal thing. And so <laughs> uh, that happens a lot. That, that, you know, that's not necessarily a midlife crisis when that happens, um, but that is uh, certainly one of the signs. Now, um, a midlife crisis, by definition, is um, an emotional crisis of self-identity. So you don't know, really know who you are as a person or what's going on. Or it's an emotional crisis of self-confidence. Maybe you don't feel confident in yourself or the things that you've accomplished in your lifetime. And that usually occurs around the middle ages of life. Um, so just shout this out. What age do you think that typically a midlife crisis would happen in? Does anybody have any guesses? 40 is a very common one. Very good. Anybody else? Nobody else has a guess? 52 and a half. Super specific, and I like it. Well, guess what? what <laughs> 52 and a half. 
Yeah, so actually you're both correct, all right? You're both correct. The average, they say, is around the ages of, and this kind of surprised me a little bit, as young as 35 all the way to 55. And so those are the average ages for people to have a midlife crisis. Now, I would like to share with you a story really quickly that outlines why I believe I went through a midlife crisis at the age of 30. And uh, if you're thinking, well, that's kind of crazy, it, it is kind of crazy. And uh, if it was going to happen to anybody, it would happen to me. So um, I, I would like to just tell you a really quick story. I'll take you back to 2019. And I know a lot of you are thinking, eh, you probably shouldn't take us back there. But um, 2019, December, I'm 29 years old. Um, I just maybe, I think I just started a job at Foundations, which is where I'm currently working. Um, at the counseling center, and I got some things going for me that are starting to pick up and, and, and do okay. Um, and then 2022 rolls around, January hits, COVID, things are starting to happen with that, and like nobody knows what really is going on. We're all getting nervous. We keep hearing talks of all this deadly virus, you know, all these different things, and, and everybody's kind of like, Ugh. And then February comes around, and um, everybody starts talking about shutting things down, and we don't know really. It's all unprecedented things, and um, a lot of things are going on. And this whole time, I'm one of these people, and I don't know about you guys, um, I don't really care about age. Age has never been a thing that has affected me. I always feel like it's about how you feel in your head. Um, it's about how you feel, you know, physically. If you're feeling good, you're mentally good, then who cares how old you are, right? So I've never cared about that. But as we start getting closer to April, I begin to start to feel uneasy about this number 30 that's staring me right in the face. And so as I'm getting more uneasy, things are getting more uneasy in the world. And there's a lot of talk about nobody going around anybody. And so I start to think, well, I'm going to be spending my 30th birthday by myself with my wife, which, you know, I'm okay with that, I guess. I, I'm not a, a extremely like, you know, uh, <laughs> we'll stop right there. So anyway, I'm, so I, I'm okay with that, right? Just my wife, just me, whatever. Well, I start to get towards the end of March in 2022, and then it hits me, Dusty, your 20s are gone. Has anybody ever had this thought, like your teenage years are gone, or, or your 20s are gone, or your 30s are gone? You can't do anything else about it. So I begin to think, man, 20s out the window. Everything is in the book. It's done. There's nothing I can do about it. And so I began to look back on the things that I had accomplished in my 20s, and the, or the more accurately, the things I hadn't accomplished in my 20s. And so I start to look at those things, and I think to myself, I'm 20 years old, and I'm in college, and I'm working at Walmart, and I go to college, I have no clue what I want to do with my life. I have no clue as to what classes I should take. I don't know anything about college, really. And, but here I am, I'm in college, and uh, I'm going to do this, you know, these classes and try to figure my life out while I'm working at this crazy place called Walmart. And, um, and I lose interest. <laughs> I lose interest in college. I don't care because I don't have a goal. I don't have a, a plan. I just, I'm just there. And so I lose interest. I stop going to classes. I stop showing up. The next thing I know, my, my professors are emailing me saying, hey, you should probably drop out. <laughs> I mean, like, of this class, not of college. Uh, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? Your professor's telling you to leave college. That's not a good thing. 
But so I just lose interest. And so I decide um, that, well, I'll just go to work at Walmart. Everybody say, what's next? What's next? I decide that I'm just going to have to get a different job. If I'm not going to go to college and make a lot of money, then I'm going to have to find a job that's going to pay me a lot of money. So I call my brothers who work on the pipeline, and I try to get a job with them. I do. I end up going there, working for about six months or so, and uh, I do really well in the job. Actually, uh, by the end of the six months, I'd have my own uh, company truck and, and like a six-man crew that I was in charge of for the environmental team, and um, it was really, really awesome. I was doing really well, but I hated being on the road all the time, and I had just started this relationship with uh, a lady named Albie, and, uh, and I was away from her all the time, and uh, my dad was sick, and I was away from him all the time, and it was just weird timing, bad timing, and I was like, you know what, after this job ends, I'm going to take some time and really reconsider what's going on with my life. Is that okay every once in a while just to kind of reconsider what you're doing with your life? I think it is. I think you should. So I go back home, and I'm like, I'm going to go back to college. I think I'm ready. So I get back into college. And when I get back into college, I'm like, well, I need a job so I can pay for some things. So I'm like, well, I know what's familiar. I'll go back to Walmart. Everybody say, what's next? What's next? So <laughs> here I am, back at Walmart, back at college. Still don't know exactly what I want to do with my life. I still don't know exactly you know, what's going on. So what happens again? I lose interest again. I stop going to classes again, and I end up dropping out of my classes again, and I drop out of college again. So here I am. I'm like 23 years old, and or 22 years old, and I'm a two-time college dropout, okay? And I am a, I've already changed careers twice, so what could possibly be next? So I move back into the Walmart world, and I'm thinking, well, if I can't be in college and I can't get a good job, well, then I need to make some money, right? So I need to look for a different job. But I don't want to go on the road. So I start looking around uh, locally, applying to jobs everywhere. I finally get a job at a place called American Savings Bank. It's a bank in Portsmouth, or was a bank in Portsmouth. And so I go there. I start working there. I get super comfortable there, very, very comfy. Anybody ever get really comfy at a job? I get super comfy there, and I end up gaining like 36 pounds because I'm not moving. I'm, and I don't know if anybody's ever worked at a bank, but I don't know what's going on there. They continuously bring in donuts. Everybody's got sweets and candies. And like all the, the members or the customers or clients, they're all bringing in stuff. They think like if you, they give you donuts, you're going to give them extra money. I don't know what it is, man. But like there's food everywhere at a bank. And I was like, no self-control, no, no willpower whatsoever. I'm just eating everything. Gained like 36 pounds. And I'm feeling terrible and blah, 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 blah. That's not important. But I get really comfy. And even though this job isn't really serving me well, I'm not making a ton of money, and I'm not being challenged in a right way, I get really comfortable, and I don't want to leave that job. Well, um, a bank comes in. I come into work one day. And uh, I get a voicemail. It, this, is a, this is a great story. Anybody owns a business, don't ever do this, please. I get a voicemail from the CEO, president of the bank, and it says, and this is a company-wide voicemail, by the way, and it says, uh, we sold the bank, um, more information's coming, um, we'll let you know, pretty much. I mean, that's basically, in essence, what it said. 
So the bank sells, and there's this uh, big buyout with a bank called People's Bank. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. <laughs> um, but People's Bank comes in, they buy it. And when People's Bank comes in, some of you might know this, they tend to cut a lot of staff. And uh, so they cut 75% of Amer American Savings staff. They made us all what they call displaced workers. And they gave us pretty much six months to find a new job. So here I am, I'm applying at all these different jobs. I end up interviewing, at, I'm not even kidding, probably 20 different jobs. Anybody done a lot of interviews in their life? My goodness, it is very, very taxing. And I'm telling you, I interviewed at 20 of them and I nailed every one of them, at least I thought. And uh, so, like, I would go home, or I would be on the drive home, I'd call Albie, and I'd be like, dude, I, I'm going to get the job. Like, I did that good. You know what I mean? And, like, that happened <laughs> every single time. I, I don't know. I'm a bad judge of what's going on, I guess, in, per in the moment. I thought for a fact that I was a beast at these interviews, man. But nobody wanted me. To, nobody wanted me. What's the deal? I'm really cool, you know? And I was going to be, a, I was going to do a good job for them, but they didn't care. So here I am, and I'm like 20, what am I, 27 at this point or something like that. And I'm a two-time college dropout. <laughs> I am, I've changed careers now because I'm getting ready to move into the counseling center. I've changed careers four times. And in my 20s, uh, I'm, I'm driving a truck. I'm still driving this truck, by the way. And at this time, though, at 29, I don't know whether I'm driving the truck out of necessity or I'm driving the truck because I want to because I've been driving it since I was 16 years old. It's sitting out in the parking lot if you guys want to take a little peek at it. It doesn't look great. It doesn't sound great. When I turn the wheel, it goes <laughs> and everybody looks at me in the parking lots and I'm like, I don't care. You know what I mean? At this point, I'm like, eh, it's kind of funny because um, everybody's like, oh gosh. So I'm driving this truck, and I'm living in this house that if it wasn't for my parents, I wouldn't even have a house. And so I began to look back, and I'm like, I'm not pleased with my 20s. I'm not pleased with what I've done with my life. I don't like it. I'm one of those people, if you know me very well, I'm very hard on myself. I tend to really pick on me a lot, and I expect a lot from me, and sometimes too much. And that causes me a lot of anxiety and a lot of issues. And so I begin to look back, and I don't like what I'm seeing. I begin to have all these anxieties. I begin to look at my life and think, oh, my God, I've done nothing with it. I'm 30 years old. I've set myself up to go into my 30s as a failure. And I just all these things just cascading down upon me just allow me to feel like I'm a failure in life. So... With that being said, as I go through this midlife crisis, I begin to look at what I need to do in the future to, con to keep this from ever happening again. And as I'm starting to think about the things that I need to do, I think to myself, well, I didn't have any goals in my 20s. I didn't have any plans for my future or my life in my 20s. And so I needed to make a goals list. I needed to make some type of something that would help me to move into my 30s and have success moving into those things. So I work in, like I said, a medical detox facility. And in that facility, we often say a cliche saying that's very, very, very true and it's very real. 
and it's um, Albert Einstein's um, idea of what insanity is. Does anybody know what that is? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Perfect. My 20s was the poster for insanity. I kept doing the same things over and over and over and expecting different results. I literally thought that, hey, this time when I go to college and work at Walmart, it's going to work out perfect. <laughs> Not knowing what I'm doing at college, it's going to be great. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I kept doing the same things over and over. How many times in your life have you done the same thing, whether it be in a relationship, whether it be in a job, whether it be in your friendships, whether it be um, at whatever, in life, you've done the same things over and over and over. You tried the same diets ten times and they're not working. You're still not losing any weight. And you do the same things at the gym and it's not working. Or, you, or you're doing the same things at your job. You're, you're procrastinating. You're doing these things. But you expect to get that promotion that you've been looking forward to. How many times are we doing the same things over and over and over and expecting different outcomes? So how do we ensure that our lives won't be that definition of insanity? Everybody say, what's next? I want to hear it. What's next? So I just have just a really quick couple of points, um, action steps for you to take today. Um, I have just, a, like I said, just really, really quick, um, two things. And if you're not a note taker, um, maybe you should try something new today because you haven't done that before. Or, or, or maybe you should write a couple things down. Um, or if you uh, want to get with me at the end, then I will send you uh, my sermon notes if you'd like. Um, I write everything down, so it's all good. But if you're not a note taker, but take these notes. Pastor Ben says a lot of interesting things. He says a lot of things that impacts and changes lives. And if I didn't take notes every time I hear him speak, I would forget because I'm that type of person. I would forget a lot of those things. And I know that taking notes, eh, it's not fun. It's like school or whatever. You don't have to take like every single thing down. Just do some highlights. Just do some points. Just do some things that you hear that might impact your life in the future. I promise you that you will grow spiritually because of it. I promise. You will see growth in your life spiritually if you begin to just write a couple of things down. Um, and it helps you remember. Um, so if you do take notes, take notes. If you don't take notes, take notes. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So um, the first thing, the first action step that I would like to see us all do is exactly what I did. So Albie and I, I had her sit down with me. And I begin to tell her, hey, Albie, listen, I'm really kind of going through a thing here. I need, to, I need for my peace of mind, I need us to sit down as a couple and make a goals list for our 30s. Luckily, both of us turned 30 um, in the same year, so that was a possibility for us. Um, but I would also, so I sat down, I made goals for ourselves, like ourselves personally, and then us as a couple. These were goals that we wanted to achieve by the time we were 35, and these were also goals that we wanted to achieve by the time we were 40. So the, some of these were very attainable. Some of these things were very easy that we could actually do very easily, make us feel good about ourselves. Some of them were very far-fetched. Some of them are hard, and we don't know if we're actually going to be able to do it. However, 
um, we put them down anyway, and I encourage you to do the same. So I encourage you, so action step number one is write down goals for your life and begin working toward them. Proverbs 29:18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision in your life, you're, and I think in the message version it says, where there is no vision, the people will run wild. They'll run wild. Your life will run wild if you don't have a vision or a plan for your life. I encourage you, sit down with your spouse, sit down by yourself, and write down a goals list, things that you want to achieve, things that you don't ever think you might be able to achieve, and then some things that are also very attainable. Um, so one of those goals that Albie and I wrote down when I turned 30 was uh, we wanted to be able to buy a home by the time we were 40 years old. And at the time when I turned 30 years old, buying a home was a goal that was like super far-fetched. That was something that we knew that was, you know, hey, in the future this might be possible, but it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. And within a year of us writing down that goal, God made it possible for us to buy a new home. And that's an amazing thing. God will honor your goals. He will honor your plans if you write them down. Proverbs 16.9 says that we can make our plans, but God will guide our steps. So you make your plans and allow God to guide your steps into getting you there. Alvin and I made a plan. We had a goal. We wanted to buy this home, and God made a way for that to happen. God planned our steps, and he gave us the things that we needed to make sure that we could get that done. And that happened one year, one year after us writing down that goal. We didn't think that was going to happen until like a, maybe 38, 39, something like that. God can do things in your life when you are honoring him, when you're doing things the right way, and you're writing down goals, and you're listening to what he has to say. He will guide your steps, and he will lead you into a successful future, I promise. Another reason it's important to plan your life is that there's a saying in leadership that says, and Pastor Ben says this a lot, if you don't plan your calendar, somebody will do it for you. Somebody will absolutely, they'll take pride in it too. They're like, hey man, I'll plan your calendar. I'll give you some stuff to do. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, and how many times have, have you come home at the end of the day after running around, doing a lot of errands, doing a lot of things that you've agreed to do, and then you get home and you think, oh, man, when am I going to have time to, to pressure wash that house? Or what am I going to have time to start that Bible study that I've been wanting to start? Or, or what am I going to have the time to take that evening walk that I've been promising myself? And, and I don't know if it's because we don't actually have the time to do those things or it's because we're just not stewarding our time well. We are allowing other people to make our calendar for us. We're allowing other people to do all these things and make all these plans, and here we are thinking, man, i got to get control of my life. It's okay to say no. Can I tell you that this morning? It's okay to say no every once in a while. It's okay to say, no, I have to do this, or no, I have to get something else done in my life, or, or no, that's too many things this month. My family's stretched thin enough. No, we're not doing that this time. Maybe next time. It's okay. It's okay for your sanity. It's okay for the success of your future. It's okay for your goals to say, no, it's okay. Write down goals and plan, or else your life may end up being like my 20s, 
And that's insane. Don't do that. Number two, action step number two is prepare your heart for what God has next for you. Prepare your heart. So if we look at what's next in our lives, we have to be in a place to receive what's next in our lives. As I was preparing for this sermon, Pastor Ben sent me a sermon for resources, and um, I was listening to it, and there was mention of this place in Nevada called Death Valley. And so I began to research Death Valley and look it all up and find out really what happened there, because in 2005, um, most researchers and scientists believe that Death Valley, they called it Death Valley because literally everything that would go there was dead, like you would, it would die. It was too dry, it was too hot, it was just this barren desert, nothing going on there. In 2005, due to some atmospheric changes and due to some weird weather circumstances, rain clouds actually roll in over Death Valley and rain begins to fall for about two or three hours. And when this happens, like growth from the ground starts coming up. Some things, some trees, some shrubs, bushes, things like that begin to come up. And it blows everybody's mind. They're like, how in the world is this even possible? This is Death Valley for Pete's sake. Like, what in the world's going on? And so scientists, researchers, all these people that come from miles around to come and try to figure out what in the world happened here. Like, how did, how did this beautiful, and if you ever get a chance, Google Death Valley and look at these beautiful images. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's gorgeous. They look, why, how could this happen? And what they actually find is that underneath the soil was seeds that had been lying dormant for years and years, since maybe even the beginning of time. These seeds lying dormant under the soil. And what they were waiting on was the perfect situation. They were waiting for the perfect circumstances before they could actually rise up and grow. Now some of you already know where I'm going with this. But God has planted seeds in your life and in your heart that he's waiting for the perfect circumstances. He's working for the perfect time to allow growth to happen for those seeds that are in your life. Now, I know that a lot of us have those Death Valley areas in our life that we think that there's no growth ever going to happen. There's no way that God could ever bring anything out of this that's good or positive. This is a Death Valley area. And there's nothing I can do here. But I promise you, and I'm going to believe with you, that in 2022, God is going to bring rain on those things, and he's going to rain out blessings over those Death Valley areas in your life, and he's going to cause those things to grow up as a beautiful garden, something that you can use and something that you can have and have success. I'm going to believe that with you for 2022. Psalm 139.9 says that God has knitted us together in our womb. In, in our mother's womb. He knitted us together. He planted seeds in our life for success long before we even knew. And in, um, and in um, Jeremiah 1.5, it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. God has a plan for your life. He has an absolute plan for your life. He wants to prosper you. He wants to help you. He wants to give you a hope and a future. He wants to give you things, but we have to do things on our end first 
before we're able to receive these blessings. Before we're able to see those seeds sprout into life, we have to make sure that on our end, we're preparing our hearts for what God has next in our lives. So how do you do these things? Well, the big three, you have your read your Bible, pray, right? Read your Bible, pray, worship. Those are the big three. Those things are very important. If you take time, read God's word, get in there, know exactly what you're talking about, look at what God is saying, allow him to work in your life through his word. People say, well, why don't God ever speak to me? Why don't God ever speak to me? I never hear God speak to me. Do you read his word? Are you getting, are you getting in his word? Are you reading what's going on between the pages? Are you reading what's going on in here in this book? That's where God will speak to you. You will hear him speak loudly and clearly through his word to you. We spend time in prayer, thanking God, asking God for our, what he has for our lives, whatever that might look like. And we spend time in worship. And we're just freely worshiping and we're raising hands and we're crying and we're doing the things that, that we see others doing. But we, and we kind of wanted to do it, but we're kind of scared to do it. You know what I mean? No, just be free, man. Open your arms. Lift your hands. Sing. Allow yourself to be free in your worship. I promise you'll see growth spiritually in your life and you'll see those Death Valley areas begin to sprout up life. I promise. And then the last one that I want to add into that is just stewarding your time well. Stewarding your time well. Like being able to know exactly what you need to do. Those death, those death Valley areas of your life, if you're stewarding your time and you are saying no when it's necessary and you're doing the things that you need to do to prepare your heart, I believe that you will see growth, you will see success in your life. So for you personally, when we say what's next, for you personally, I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know what's next for you. I don't know what you're going to have to go through. I don't know what blessings are in store for you. I don't know. It would be kind of cool if I did, and I can just have you line up, and I could tell you every single one of you what that would look like, but I can't. I don't know if whatever. However, what I do know is as a church, we are getting ready to go through this book study that Pastor Ben alluded to and spoke about. We're getting ready to go into that as a church spiritually. Uh, we're about to take that journey together. And uh, at the beginning of 2022, we're going to go into the book, and it's called At Your Best. It's by Carrie Newoff. Pastor Ben and I are... are uh, uh, big fans <laughs> of Pastor Kerry, and uh, we, we both listen to the podcast every single week. A lot of times we'll text and that, talk to each other. We send it to people. We probably send it to a couple of them to some of you. Um, if, you know, we think that's going to apply to you in your life or help you in, in your life in some way, um, it is a wonderful podcast, and, uh, and we've actually read a book together as a leadership team um, called Didn't See It Coming by Pastor Kerry, and that was one of the greatest books, talking about um, you know, burnout and things like that. What an awesome book that's been, especially since I moved into this counseling position. If you know anything about counseling whatsoever, it's, it can be very taxing mentally, and uh, you can burn out very, very fast because you're constantly just helping, 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 pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And if you're not taking time to pour in, you're going to have a ton of Death Valley areas in your life. And so we looked at this book, and we got uh, At Your Best coming up. And in this book, the study is going to outline. And I listened to Pastor Kerry talk about, like, how this book is. And there's different zones in our lives that we're going to be going through. 
and he talks about a green zone, a yellow zone, a red zone, and how we should be stewarding our time in those zones. Green being when we're most productive, yellow being when we're okay, and red being when you probably shouldn't be doing anything whatsoever, but maybe, you know, sitting on the couch or reading a book or going to bed. So there's a lot of different areas that, that he, this book talks about, and there's a lot of different things that it's going to be very, very beneficial for us to learn. Like when is our green zone? When is the yellow zone in our life? When is those red zones in our life when we shouldn't be making plans or decisions? That's going to help us to have more success just in those three little principles, allowing us to know when to say yes, allowing us to know when to say no. Because those things are very, very, very important. I hope that this journey together will help us all be at our best and will allow us to have success in our future, like he said, in this year, 2022, coming up, and also in our lives forever if we take the principles and, and take what we've learned and move through that. So, what's next for you? What's next? Do you have plans? Has God given you some kind of idea of what's next? I remember praying a prayer at 26 years old. I was uh, coming across the bridge in Portsmouth. And um, I was coming home from work. And I remember praying to God and just having a really, I mean, I would pray this prayer a lot, but I remember this day specifically. I said, God, I'm here. I'm yours. Use me as you want. Take me where you want me to go. Let me do what you want me to do. I'll do it. Just let me know. Make it clear to me. I will do exactly what you want in my life. And I prayed that prayer. And I prayed that prayer all the way home, all the way back to Garrison. Just, God, please show me what to do, what to do, what to do. And then that night, we actually had a church service. And in this church service, I felt... Like I needed to have, for some reason, the youth group come up on the stage and sing a song with me. I don't know. I wasn't. I don't do stuff like that usually. And I so before church, I go up to Pastor Wilma, who was pastoring at this church at the time, and or at the church that I was attending at the time, and I said, "Hey, I, I feel like I'm supposed to do this." And she's a very prayerful person. She said, "Well." let's wait for confirmation, and I really respect Pastor Wilma, so I was like, okay, cool, we'll wait, whatever you want to do, and so during the service, man, I'm telling you, I was sitting there singing, and I couldn't get another word out, I couldn't get another word out, I had to say I would like to invite the youth to come up on the stage, I had to say it, so I said it, and they came up on the stage, and we sang a song, and it was terrible. <laughs> it was awful. Uh, there was no planning involved. It was just, it, it was very much like my 20s. And it was terrible. It was awful, but it was so awesome at the same time. And at the end of the song, there was a person that stood up in the crowd, and they said, we've been praying for six months that someone would come in and, and come in and work with this youth group and help them to be more active in the church, and to teach them about the things of life and about Jesus. And they said, we've been praying for you, we've been praying for you, we've been praying for you to come, and here you are. And so Pastor Wilma stands up and she said, hey, there's your confirmation. And so from that moment forward, my life has been based around working with teenagers, 
A few months after that, Pastor Ben and Pastor Leslie, who we had met through a mutual friend, came up to me. We were on our way home from Portsmouth. I'll never forget this. It was after we had just crossed the bridge in Portsmouth, the Grant Bridge. We had just crossed that bridge. We had just made the right-hand turn down Route 8. And Pastor Ben said, hey, so I wanted to talk to you, and uh, I wanted to have you pray about maybe uh, accepting a position as the youth pastor at our church. And I was like, what the heck is he talking about? <laughs> you know, I'm just going to work with the kids, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be a pastor or anything. I'm just trying to, you know, help. I just want to help. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll pray about it. But if I had never had said that prayer, if I had never had said, God, use me, I'm here. Take me where you want to take me. Use me in the way that you want to use me. Show me what you have next for my life. If I had never said that, I would have never been sitting in the back of that car. I would have never invited the kids up on stage. I would have never done all these things. I wouldn't be standing here in front of you. I wouldn't have been a youth pastor for like nine years now. And, um, you know, seeing the growth that I've seen in students and seeing Kirby back in the back. I love you, Kirby. And seeing her doing amazing things in college and, and, and being involved in her ministry at school and, and doing all these different things. I would have never have got to see these things if I didn't ask God, what's next for my life? What's next? So I want to encourage you today. And as we all stand, if we will stand together, I'm going to go ahead and close. What's next for your life? If you guys would bow your head, close your eyes. I just want you to take a moment here and just begin speaking with God. Ask him what's next. What's next in my life? Maybe for you, that's for your personal life. What's next is getting closer to God. Maybe you want to get closer. Maybe you want to spend more time with your family. Maybe you want to buy a new car. I don't know what's next. Maybe you want to go back to school. You want to read the Bible more. You want to listen to more podcasts. You want to exercise more, eat less. I don't know. What's next for you? God knows what's next for you. And if we want to hear from Him, all we have to do is listen. So Les is going to sing just a little bit here, and I just want you to take a moment and just pray that prayer. What's next? And then just listen. Listen to what God says to your heart.
believe that we're not going to become anything that God doesn't want us to be. But we can always become everything that He's planned us to be. We can become everything He has planned for us if we'll prepare our hearts and we'll prepare ourselves for what He has next in our life. So I'd like to invite you to either begin rededicating your life or maybe you need to pray the prayer just what's next or, or, or maybe you just feel stagnant and you want something new in your life. I, I'm just going to pray over you and I want you to pray for yourselves as well. That God would come in and He would take those death valley areas in your life and cause growth. So Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for forming us in our mother's womb, God, before before the beginning of time, God, you knew exactly what you wanted for our lives. So God, we just want to prepare ourselves. We just want to prepare ourselves to become exactly what you've made us to be, what you've made us to be in our life. So God, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for the things that we've gone through. And God, we ask that you would continue to help us to see exactly what's next in our life, God, whether that's getting closer to you, whether that's stepping into a new ministry, whether that's picking up this book and starting this new book study, whether it's just being with family or taking time to relax. God, we want to do that, and we want to do it to your glory. And so today I pray over these people, God, and the people that are watching online, I pray over them that, God, you would begin to show them what's next in their life, that there would no longer be confusion over them, that you would break those chains of confusion and you would break those chains of anxiety and break the chains of insanity that's going on in their lives, God, and that you would make their goals plain for them and that they would write them down, God, and that you would honor them and that you would give them practical steps to take to reach those goals. God, help us as we move into a new year. Help us as we move into a new phase of life. In Jesus' name we pray.